Hello and welcome to the 160-somethingth episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. Yeah. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie films to studio films and... Everything in between. How to make them. How to get... I've actually forgotten what how, this is. How to, how, to, how to make them. How to... How not to F it up. How to eventually. get them made and how to try not to F it up. Something yeah, that's, like. a, that's, yeah, that's right. You know the drill by now. Basically, this podcast is about how to make films and how to try not to F it up when you're doing that. That's basically what I'm trying to say in that intro, right? Yeah. Ah, good. Um, I'm Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director, and I'm a producer. And today's podcast, we're talking with the fantastic director, Jack Spring, who managed to make a feature film uh, when he was 19, gets signed by WME, the huge agent, William Morris Endeavour, and get his movie, Destination Dewsbury, released in cinemas. It's an absolute doozy, the guys across the pond say. Thank you so much, by the way, all of you across the pond, for listening. I love you all. But before we get to Jack, first, I am delighted to be joined on this week's episode by uh, my co-host, who's been busy for a while, Christian James. Hello, buddy. Thanks, G. I should have been busy with something else, but I was busy in lockdown instead. Now, Christian James, if you don't know him, because maybe you've just joined listening to this podcast for a few weeks and you've not heard his dulcet tones or seen his luscious locks. But Christian James has directed uh, three features, including Freak Out, Stalled and Fanged Up. Starring Stu Bennett and Dapper Laughs and Danielle Harold, as well as some other amazing people as well. Uh, you, you tend to make comedy films, fun, uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek, really fun romps. Oh, romps. romps. Right, yeah, kind of romps. I don't even like that word. The first one was more, yeah. uh, we because we were kids, just mucking around. That's where we met, yeah. through that we make your fine self, or just after that. Second one was uh, A Labour of Love, which we made ourselves. And then the third one was, I think, because of the previous two, it kind of found me. So, yeah, I do tend to make comedies and sort of fun knockabout, high concept. Yep, you do. Things. Whereas mine have been a bit more serious, except to Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is, but it's dark. It's tongue-in-cheek dark. It's yeah. that, you know, black comedy. And the, the dare is really dark. Um, but it's not for want to try. Because funny enough, every I time... I try to be funny. We've got, I've got close to making something dark and serious. It's fallen apart or not happened. Oh, I see, yeah. And recently, so I, I was developing, or still am developing, a TV pilot adapting a short story from by Patrick Gale. And I think when we met, when we caught up on Zach Adler's podcast, yes. it was around Christmas time. Yeah. I mentioned it, but couldn't mention what it is because I don't think the rights had all been secured. But they have since been sorted. Wow. And we were a week from shooting, but then uh, our, our Prime Minister uh, announced that we could we were allowed to just stay in our houses. So, you were um, literally a week from shooting? A TV. week. No, less than a week, in fact. Less than a week. Because I think he announced on the Monday we started shooting on the Saturday. Mate, had you fully yeah. prepared and everything? And you got you were everything. ready to shoot? Our poor producer had spent a lot of money on uh, on certain things. Yeah, there's a lot of certain things, actors maybe, names, places, locations. Can... One actor was coming in from the, from the from LA. Oh my gosh! A great cast, but um, great. Crew. Are you going to pick it up? Are you going to yes. pick it up? Yes, hopefully we are. We watch this space. It's. Uh, uh, I'm super excited to hear more. Can you tell us the name? Can you tell us anything about it? I can't because the okay, rights great. have expired because contractually oh, no! we didn't make, But we, it looks like we'll get them back. We've got a very good relationship with Patrick. And um, okay. if we can get them back, my uh, brilliant producer, Thomas Cole, for ASAP, we can pick it up and ideally shoot the latter part of this year and get oh, mate, everyone back. Crossed. I was so fingers. excited. The, the crew were amazing. And it was, a, it was an abs- It was something I've been trying to do for years. And actually, after Stall, the second feature, I was, this is the direction I want to go. Right. But weirdly, um, a few things nearly happened, didn't happen. And then uh, Fanged Up came along at a time when I was kind of like a little bit, not burnt out, but certainly a bit like, oh, what am I going to do? And then Fanged Up came along, which was much more in my traditional wheelhouse. So I'm sort of back on the previous path with this one. Right. I love it. Oh, great. Super exciting. I am, can't wait to hear more about that. I'm actually really excited about that. Well done, man. How about yourself, buddy? What's, what's been going on? You've been like films upon films upon films and TV pilots and more films. What's going on? Yeah, I haven't stopped working. This has been... This is, I, I was always busy anyway. I'm the mm. kind of person who just keeps busy. Yeah. But in this lockdown, I have not been busy yet. I've finished two scripts. I've finished uh, a presentation. We started talking about investment for this other project. Yeah. Uh, Obviously doing the podcast stuff and the Make a Film event, of course. And it's coming up as well. It's June the 4th. It's literally a week and a bit away. Uh, it's not long away now. And we have already announced Dan Mazer, the lead director of Borat, which is amazing. But a new guest just announced 
is Sharon Maguire, the director of Bridget Jones's Diary. Come join us. Link to that is in the show notes. It's online, so you can all join us. Cool. Why not? Come be there. Awesome, Bob. So I've been doing that, and I've been helping other people with their films, reading scripts. I have been... I just feel like I, I haven't been able to stop, you know? It's not that I want to, because it's good to just keep going, keep yeah. going, and then... And, and weeding out the stuff I don't want to do anymore, you know? This has been really good for that. Yes. Is this happening? Is this anywhere going? Well, if it's not, right, let's put it on the back burner and concentrate on the ones that are. So there have been a few so, projects which you've been attached to which have just been treading water and you're like, get yes. rid Yes, yes. So that's what's happened, which has been really good to concentrate and focus on the ones that I really care about and really want to do. Not that I didn't care about those. It was like, well, yeah. if they're not going anywhere now, I'm going to focus all my energy onto those ones and... Uh, yeah, I've knuckled down with the writers I've been writing with, and we've got these scripts solid, and they've gone out now, and we've had some amazing feedback, and, right. and there could be sequel to the Dare happening. There's a lot what? of things. The Dare did, did the Dare's done well in certain oh, countries, right. and suddenly people are interested in the sequel. I don't know. I'm allowed to say that on here, but hey, no one's listening, are they? <laughs> no, it's just me and you, CJ, right? It's just, it's it's just it's a single little chat. chat. Not recording. It's a little though. chat. No, no. <laughs> if you have any questions, by the way, do get in touch. We have an email address now. It is thefilmmakerspodcast at gmail.com. I know it only took us three years, but now we have <laughs> one. So you can get in touch and I have all, all of them there so they're not lost within mine. So if you want to be on or you have any questions, get in touch, especially if you made a feature film. So should we get to this week's episode with uh, Jack Spring? Let's do it. Let's do it. Enjoy, everyone. Ahoy, hoy. Ahoy, hoy. Here he, hey. is. Here he is. How you doing, Jack? You all right, buddy? Good, my man. I am well. I've had a cracking week, film-wise. Oh yeah. I had my, my first like human face-to-face meeting, and uh, we raised three hundred grand for the next movie on a park bench in Kensington. I love this. This sounds like some Quite sort of CD uh, dealings, and I really it like does, it. Does yeah. The, the first set, the uh, the synopsis of this uh, event did not paint a uh, non-CD picture at all. <laughs> did you have a big <laughs> trench coat on? You're like, hey, yeah, if I show you yeah, this, some, uh, will you give some me three hundred envelopes were passed? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, it's a delight to have you on, Jack. Thank you so no, much for joining mate. myself no, and thanks. CJ. I've, I've been um, listening for a while and I thought it's best to send a message and say hello. I love it. Yeah, and of course I wanted to get you on and talk about Destination Dewsbury. Absolutely. And obviously I want you to meet CJ, Christian James, uh, my host today. The man himself. Hello. You are, buddy? CJ, pleasure, sir. How are you? All the better for hearing you two. And it's so nice that we're all, we're all here um, and getting to chat. I mean, it would have been so much nicer face-to-face, which I always prefer. Like you say, mm. we could have sat on a park bench. We could have sat, you know, oh, yeah. two metres apart on a park bench. Oh, You're the park yeah. bench on the other side and sort of waved at each other. <laughs> and sort of it was one of these big round, it was big round um, park bench table thing. Oh, okay. It was really good. It was perfect. It wasn't uh, sitting next to each other on a park bench. That would have been quite hard to have a meeting. I was about to but, say um, that. It would be estranged. That's yeah. That's what much. you want. Off just yeah. off Kensington High Street, there's a pair of lovely round round park benches. Wow, we oh, could hire this park are. bench between us, <laughs> couldn't we? Share it out. Yeah, there were geezers doing like yoga and stuff there. <laughs> there were there, everyone was out. It's lovely. <laughs> Is that where investors generally hang out? Park benches yeah. in that area. I think it's more Kensington rather than that yeah. park bench. Yeah, I think that's okay. the, uh, the neighbourhood you want to be hanging around in. I think so too. Actually, <laughs> it does make a difference. You know what I mean? If you're there in, I'm, I'm not going to insult an area now, but if you're there in that beep area, mm. you know, you're less likely to meet an investor on a park bench. Sure. You go to Kensington. Yeah. And this is a nice area of London, everyone, for those who are listening overseas. Um, it's green. It's pretty. Lovely shops. Do you live there, Jack? Is this is this what no, you're telling us? You're quite no, well. No, how did you, no, how did I you get there? I had to commute there? in like a <gasps> peasant I am. Oh, my gosh. Uh, how was that going on the tube? I've not been. Going to Victoria Station, literally no one there. No one. There was oh. more police officers than there were people. I, I think I might have seen two other people at most. Did you jump oh. on the tube as well? Uh, yeah. But you oh, could have right. run to Kensington Park. You could have run to that park bench yeah, for your investment. I thought about driving in. I did, but then there was like, part of me just wanted to see what London was like. But mm. I didn't. You see, you'd get a sense in a car, but I wanted to see if I'm... Victoria would be empty, and it was yeah. really empty. Wow. Did you film anything on your phone? Did you actually uh, get your phone out? I'm no, bad no. at stuff. I should do, I, I don't think like that. My always, like, my first port of call is mm. how do we get, like, in the, even on like this micro level, how do we get the money in? Before, like, I'm not wired to just like start making stuff. It's weird. But hang on a minute. Well, let's. Add, I feel like you are because the fact that you managed to raise your own money to make your feature film, you set up your Hot Tubs company. 
at the fact what you were 18 and then sold it a year later or whatever it was yeah. for a decent amount of money i'd say that your brain was wired or was that a total fluke because no, obviously we're, we're going to yeah. talk about filmmaking and destination Dewsbury and your next journey and getting signed with wme yeah. but the fact is you set up a, a hot tub company at 18 yeah even though you're making films that was all very deliberate Go on, um, so i've always i guess been aware of the business side of the filmmaking you know and i don't want to i don't want to be responsible for cash i don't like it but mm. you know ultimately you have to to you know at this level you're not going to attract yeah, producers that can raise decent cash so you've kind of mm. got to do it yourself uh, so i yeah I, I dropped out of uni basically did a year of film and tv at york uh, and didn't really okay. didn't like it for and why was that? What what made you what made you go there in the first place? And what made you drop out? What were you expecting versus you know what you ultimately yeah. got? Um, I I guess I grew up from an early age thinking university was the success and anything else was failure. Mm. I think that's that's just quite how society is. It's drilled into you, you know yeah. parents, teachers, head of sixth forms. You know they get paid based on how many kids they send to uni. Um, and to be fair, they don't really know the film industry, so they don't know that that bit of paper is um very true yeah fairly useless um and it's all about what you know what else you've done at uni and i went and i remember the open day they were very clear that um like the kids that they were going to let in weren't just clever rich kids they were kids that were really passionate about film and made lots of film and i was basically going to get drunk for three years and to network movies you know i was doing them like every Mm -hmm. weekend um and uh and the kids weren't like that you know they were just clever rich kids um the course kind of didn't teach me anything that i wasn't learning just by doing it and at this point yeah literally every weekend i'd write something on a friday shoot saturday edit sunday all through that first year of uni and how were you doing that because that's great i love this story but how were you doing that did you have your own camera were you using the the kit they had how were you even knowing how to go make well, a short film when i was like 13 so i was like I'm a, i was a seasoned pro by this point in my head yeah, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> and then, I love it. You're like young Spielberg. Yeah, I, I got, love I, it. I just started yeah. like when I was about. Well, I started when I was about five or six. My, my dad made these little stop motion animations with us because he was out of work for a bit, and that kind of got me into it. And then when I was about mm. twelve, thirteen, got my sort of like over ambitious Christmas wish of a DSLR camera. Got it, and then I was away. And so I started doing everything. You know, hold the camera. I'd do the music. I'd write it. Uh, you know, I'd never act in it. I'm never going to act in, but I do everything else. And then they, you know. It's like any craft, the more you do it, the better you get. You know, you just make plenty of mistakes, mm-hmm. kind of work out what genre you want to play in, you know, what you're good at as a director and what, what you're not. And, you know, just it's just like any craft, the more you do it, the better you get. So I was going to uni at 18, had won loads of, like, awards at festivals across the world. Did you feel a little too, I mean, I'm saying this, but you were going to uni knowing already that you'd made stuff and knowing stuff. Did you get there and pretty much no one knew anything? Yeah. And you were a bit like, oh, God, why yeah. am I here? Yeah, it was like they, they yeah. sold me the course that it's going to be a load of passionate kids. So I thought it would be a load of people like me, and I'd meet a load of people like me that wanted to make a load of stuff together. And I thought that at that mm. point there was like a rule book to filmmaking. You know, like I'd, I'd you know, very much self-taught. I'd never, you know, and, and I've never come from the side, the kind of like cinephile side. So a lot of people get into filmmaking because they love watching films. I don't mind watching films, but I much prefer making them. It's weird. Got it's it. like no, no, that like, makes yeah, sense. I, I like driving my that. car, but I don't really like watching it. It's not like I don't like watching films, but I come from it from a purely I'd love making them side, like you know, the other side of the spectrum. Um, so I, you know, I, I thought there was, you know, just certain and to an extent there are certain rules to follow, but I thought I'd learn them there. Um, Mm. And I didn't, you know, it was all very essay based. It was Red Brick Uni, so very academic. The staff had kind of never made films. You know, they'd all come through academia. They'd you know, been school, mm-hmm. been to uni, stayed at uni, and they were teaching the next generation. You know, it was. Are people of how to stay in uni and not yeah. make films properly. And they were yeah, basically, you know, the course ideal. was going to cost you the best part of 50 grand, and it was going to kind of probably make you quite a good runner for the BBC or something, but it, it wasn't special. You know, I knew I wanted to be a director. And that, you know, the first year for all these kids was basically working out what they wanted to do. And it was, you know, it was mm. just a way I knew what I wanted to do. And I didn't care about the history of microphones. I just didn't, well, you know, didn't care about writing an essay about why Barry Chuckle wears red trousers. Don't care. Like, and it, it, you know, it's, yes, not, don't care. it's not just, you know, obnoxious <laughs> not caring. Because obviously as a director, you need to know a bit of everything. But I just wasn't doing, you know, being allowed to do what I wanted to do to you know, help myself learn. There's a lot of padding mm. at uni as well. It's always I, I, a very similar path myself to you. Went to uni thinking it was going to be meeting like-minded people, and actually, it was quite the opposite. I remember, we made one short film at the end of the year, and you had to use all the kids on the course. So you had to use 
kids that aren't actors as actors. You had to shoot it on mm-hmm. campus. It had to be about some I don't know, social awakening. I don't know, some you know, coming of age rubbish. <laughs> and uh, I was just and I weren't, wasn't allowed to use any of my real life contacts. You know, so I could just have done so much by that point. I had you know my composer, mm. my DOP, and you know my team that went on to make Destination Jewsby. Basically, we were working together at that point, and then um, I was just like, what's the point? You know, and then it got even worse. It wasn't just a waste of time. It became vicious. You know, I'd win. I remember winning like 500 quid at a film festival in somewhere in Eastern Europe. And they sent me over to it and got to go to the ceremony and, and yeah, won this like small cash prize. And the uni wanted to keep it because I was a student what? there and I'd used like one of their tripods <laughs> or some rubbish. And uh, I was just like, you know, the point of this course is so that the kids can go and make a career out of film. I'm the only one mm. doing it like, you know, making cash from it, albeit tiny, and I'm getting punished for it. It's like you're punishing intuition, and I just can't stand people that are rude and people that punish intuition. Then, you know, like, I went to see the head of year, and he, I remember it was like this James Bond moment. He said, he turned around on his chair, looked out the window, it was almost like he was stroking a rabbit or something, and um, said, oh, Jack, I, you know, when I told him I was thinking about quitting and going to do a movie, and he was like, oh, I had a friend that did a film really young once, he never did one again. And at, at that point, I... There were some expletives wow. passed across the room, and I—that uh, was it. Mm-hmm. I was gone. Yeah, good for you. I, do you know what? I really like that. I wish I'd have more balls at uni. And they just don't teach you anything about the money side. You know, like uh, the only reason I've gone on to make a movie is because I taught myself the money stuff, and that, none of the other—you know—none of the other kids have learned that, so they haven't. How and did you, know, you teach yourself the money stuff? How, that's quite <laughs> an interesting. Sort of, you know, if it wasn't being taught, where yeah. did you? Fine. Yeah, so I, I went, so at the end of my first year of uni, went and, you know, the uni tried to block this again. There was a feature film in York being shot called Scott and Sid, like million budget movie. Yeah. Um, and, movie, yeah. Um, you know, the two filmmakers, Scott and Sid, you know, they were 10 years older than me and they'd raised a million quid. And I was like, wow, you know, right. cool. But they were from Bradford. So they didn't sound in, like really intelligent. So I thought, you know, like... Because you know, they're from Bradford, can, wait. <laughs> just the accents. Well, just I'm the from, accents. Yeah, I'm from Harrogate. It's very near. And, Har- yeah, but you sound like posh, posh Yorkshire. Well, that's Harrogate. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Bradford's they, like proper Northern. proper Bradford, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's no dis- You know, they're, they're, some, they're the two most intelligent people I've probably ever met in the way that they shaped my outlook. And, you know, their whole thing was about chasing your dreams. And mm-hmm. anyway, they, they took a bit of a liking to me. And, and, you know, on like day three or four, I was working on it. I remember Scott, the director, bringing me into his office and just giving me this half an hour chat that just completely changed my life. You know, it was like an atomic bomb had gone off in my head. You know, like the treasure chest of just ambition, I guess. Um, and, you know, could I could kind of hustle my way through many situations. Um, but it just yeah. took them to, to blame that, you know, if we can do it, you can do it. And the accent thing was something that he said, you know, and they didn't come out of kind of my, what he said to me, he was like, you know, listen to how we sound, you know, we're not these really, you know, posh kids, you know, who are from a different stratosphere, you know, literally if we can do it, you can do it. And, you know, it just installed this mad self-belief. And you know, they were like, go away and research SEIS and, you know, work out how to put a business plan together. And that was pretty much mm-hmm. the extent of the help, but that was all I needed. You know, it was literally just a, you can do it. And I was like, you you, you know what? Yeah, I can. Um, so yeah, you know, around that time, I just put like a 30, 40 page business plan together. It was really good. I got wow. me mum's cousin did business plans for like HP. So I'd do a version, I'd send it to him and he'd be like, you know, switch this around here, switch this around here. So it went through, you know, I, I had good people around me. I didn't just, you know, work, work it all out myself as such. I, you know, utilized all my contacts and resource. And that is so important to do that. Yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely right I'm good at, you know, just basically being annoying and asking favors all the time from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and then once we had that, you know, we were going out to investors, but no one was buying. How did you even find them in the first place? How did you find these investors? It's hard. You know, we didn't, you know, that was the hardest bit, finding them. Mm. You know, when we did, I didn't, you know, from my background, I didn't know any really rich people. I didn't know anyone in the film industry. You know, the, I think the first couple of meetings we had were like my mates at university. There were one of them, owned, one of their dads owned like a woolen mill or something. And, okay. you know, so, you know, it was contacts like that, you know, really loose. Um, and they wouldn't meet because I was 18. You know, and I was like, oh, "Why is that the problem?" Um, it's you know, I don't want to wait, you know, ten, fifteen years, so it's normal age to do a feature, if there is a normal age. But um, I wanted to do it now, so I thought, you know, the problem. I thought a bit deeper about it, right? The problem with being eighteen is that you've not seen that amount of cash. Never mind budgeted properly, mm-hmm. you know. Never mind not spunked it. Never mind, you know, even make a profit. Um, you know, so I thought, right, if I go away, start a company. Hopefully that goes well, and then in a year's time I'll come back. You know, as a 19-year-old kid with hopefully a decent business record, uh, and then 
you know, hopefully they'll put the money in. Right. And that's basically, you know, long, very long story short, that's basically what we did. Um, you know, I woke up, I went on a very heavy night under the watchful eye of Mr. Weatherspoon in Leeds. Um, <laughs> oh, he loves the night out, he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Woke up on a hot July morning um, oh. in my mate's house and uh, I saw on Facebook one of my mates had bought an inflatable hot tub and uh, I thought, oh, I don't want it. And it was like 500 quid, didn't have enough money for that. Um, I thought That's about true. renting one for a weekend because I was hungover. All I wanted to be is too big to get in a bath. So I just basically wanted a jack-sized bath and inflatable hot tubs were the closest things. And there are basically loads of people doing it, but they're all rubbish. And in the world of commercial aquatics, hygiene is somewhat important. And none of the websites <laughs> look very hygienic. They all had like at gmail.com, 07 mobile numbers. You know, you couldn't mm. look online. No pricing, you know, all the like stuff you want as a customer. So I just had a bit of a light bulb moment. I thought, right, here's my ticket to get in the film made. I'm going to start a hot tub company. You know, me and two other mates that I live with put 500 quid in each, you know, emptied out our overdrafts, bought a hot tub. I read a book about social media marketing to middle-aged women. We got, you know, <laughs> built a website on Squarespace Wix or something. Squarespace. I love this um, shit. This and is just, amazing. you know, got good at marketing too. I mean, you know, we do like these competitions where, um, you know, we'd be like, tag five friends that you'd like to share a hot tub with and you might win one. Uh, and you'd get, you know, you'd chuck like 100 quid behind it and do marketing, like paid marketing on Facebook and you'd get just hundreds of thousands of people engaging. And, you know, conveniently, my housemates would always win the prize. Obviously. I mean, look at year, the draw. You know, like it was, you know, starting a hot tub company was a very, it was just a stepping stone to getting the finance in. You know, I didn't see any other way of doing it apart from, you know, I saw the big blockers. Being 18, the problem is, you know, I felt I'd proved myself for my age on the film side because I'd done these awards, blah, 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 and, um, mm. you know, made loads of shorts, and, you know, the content was pretty good for an 18-year-old kid. Um, and, yeah, so I thought that was the side that was letting me down. So I thought if I can come back, you know, and we did, I think we had, like, 90 hot tubs within 12 months with, like, nine different cities across the UK with, like, depots and That's bands and shit. And, um, incredible. Yeah, it, you know, it kicked off. and um, But it got a bit... It got a bit silly. Like we were doing like fourteen hour days. I remember like getting a call on a Monday morning at like three AM off a drunk woman in Southampton screaming at me like I put a fag out on my hot tub <laughs> and it's burst and it's flooded my entire apartment block. Oh my god. Oh, what an oh. idiot. Oh, oh yeah. And she was having a go at me as if this was my fault. And I was like, what? Oh yeah, she blames yeah, you. I'm, I'm in York asleep and I'm like, What what yeah. on earth do you expect us to do? Like you owe us a new hot tub. And you were renting them as well? Renting them out, yeah. So it was like 100 quid a night. And then, yeah, we'd have geezers go and you know, set it up. So you made uh, so you made quite, you were doing well with this. You were making a decent yeah, amount. I mean, we, you were living well off this. Well, I wasn't. The com- I mean, the company, the company was growing. Was. You know, it was all growth. I basically gave myself a 12-month deadline to turn over as much cash as possible. And that would be my impressive figure I could take back to investors. So I didn't take, you know, I took enough out to live, but you know, wasn't living the life of Riley. Sure. Someone so what, what did the company day. go, what, what, is, what sort of value did you get it to in a year? Or where did you, so it did over 100 grand in year one. Amazing. Uh, and I basically, you know, gave it for a very nominal fee to the two lads that were running it with me by the end. You know, I'd, I'd got me, I'd used that record to get me Destination Jewsbury money in. I wanted yeah. to shoot a movie and did not want to come back to the world of hot tubs. Um, so your plan but, was always just do it for a year, get the numbers up, and then go to investors and say, look, I did this for a year. Was that, yeah. that you know, that, that was kind of the, yeah. you know, look, look yeah, what I'm doing a year with this. Yeah, and it was, a, you know, now it's an absolutely brilliant PR hook. Mm-hmm. Hot tubs to Hollywood. The amount of times people have used that headline. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, we, um, it, I mean, it made, I didn't really, really, I didn't have this master plan at the time in terms of, you know, the PR for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much of the PR was about, you know, A, doing it really young and B, the cool story of getting it made via yeah. a hot tub company. Yeah, it's not like we sold the company and used that cash to fund the movie. I mean, that would right. have been just as all to do. But you know, I basically the sum that I did get for the company, I lived off while the, the movie was in post. Right, which basically. is important because people do forget that post time. Where actually, there's no money coming in because it's post time. But yet, you still got to sit and edit, and then get sound mix in and get a score in, and you've got to do that. And you're not necessarily a lot of the time not getting paid for that, especially on indie film. People forget that. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't take a wage at all for Jewsby. Neither did the producer. I mean, Kate Dow was wow. same age as me. I think she was a year older, and you know, she had a much. We came under budget by like thirty-five quid, and then I got a seventy quid parking fine on rap night. But we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she, she was remarkable and you know, the production manager Alana you know it's basically like a 
a three or four man production team put the whole thing together. It was a road trip movie. There was like 92 different locations that we shot in about 23 days. It was nuts. Um, it was nuts. You know, but it were rough ass filmmaking. You know, like we were living, we, one of the, so we had two production houses. One was in Bradford, um, in yeah. Fagley, in Bradford. Um, and the other one was in Batley, which is right next to Dewsbury. And the Bradford one, when we moved, we used that house for like pre-production as well. And then I moved out with the actors to the, the Batley house, but everyone else was still living in the, in the Bradford house. And when we moved in, there was a pink light in the hallway. And we thought, oh, yeah. this must have used to be in a brothel. Bantering, sure. of course. Uh, and then it turns out it did used to be a brothel and they thought we were back at it. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, Probably dirtier than your uh, hot tubs by the time they came stuff. back. I used oh. to have called some stuff. You know, I remember this one from... The, one of my mates ran it in Bristol, Ben, and um, he gave me a call once. Yeah. He was like, Jack, I'm not putting my hand in the hot tub. I said, son, glove up. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, um, you can guess at some of the things that were floating in hot tubs after, after a night oh. of uh, exacerbated use. Of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so to, to, to finish up the hot tub sort of story, if you like. So you then went back to that investor, the investor team that you spoke to, and... You then told them the story. You said what you'd done. Did they then put the money in? No. <laughs> I think we... Um... <laughs> but it gave you the, uh, the the passion for it. It yeah. makes... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot easier, you know. And by the time... Because when, when we grew the hot tub um, empire, if you like, we, whenever we launched a new city, we'd basically... We, again, just to increase turnover, I wanted to do as many cities as as quickly as possible um so we took some investor money as in like you know five grand sorry i'm getting very burpy um just having decaf coffee for the first time ever and it's making me very belchy ah, um nice. we took like five grand investments to open a new city so we could buy more hot tubs and you know we'd match fund it from our kind of central pot and we you know it just made it helped us grow quicker um again just to get that turnover figure you know if you've got nine streams of income rather than you know the two or three you could afford organically it helps um so we were putting on facebook all the time like you know we're looking for investment blah blah blah. and then you know so people just from contacting us through that we kind of had a few money leads and you know with 150 grand budget five grand is very helpful you know Mm. so we you know we kind of sort of developed a bit of a network through the hot tub investors and then you know my main investor ended up putting about just under half the budget in and he saw that facebook post i'd lent him my dslr camera about a year before best thing i've ever done uh and um didn't know that he had any money um and uh, you know then he saw that and i remember i was on i was seeing a girl in leeds and i was living in york and i remember being on the train and he ringing me and trying to you know saying he's interested in investing and you know i was like in the train toilet shouting trying to keep signal blowing like, nightmare uh and um then by the end of it you know i was telling him about hot tub investment because you know that's what we were kind of actively had open and we're getting investment in for successfully and by the end of the call, he, was, he sounded pretty disappointed when we were like, oh, we, you know, we need five grand. Uh, and he was like, oh, you know, I've got a bit more. I wanted to, you know, put a bit more in something. So I was like, oh, I've got this movie. Nine or ten months after starting a hot tub company. That's great. Yeah, do you mind saying how much the budget was? Are you allowed to talk about that now? Yeah, it was 150 grand. Yep. Um, so we raised about 75, 80 of it um, beforehand, you know, and shot it. And then, you know, the thing took about a year in post because I had to go away and then raise, you know, another like 5, 10, 15, 20 grand chunks and we do another 10 grand a post at a time, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, did yeah, you, 150. 150 grand. And within that, did you have, uh, had you, you know, set up your information memorandum so that you could give that to your investors? Had you done a full waterfall plan? Had you done all yeah. that side of things? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, um, yeah, we had a, you know, a comprehensive um, kind of deck. I mean, the waterfall was pretty simple because we, you know, all the kind of, now we're in, you know, the millions sort of finance, you know, you know what tax credits are and you know what mm-hmm. sales MGs are and gap finance. We didn't, I didn't have a clue what any of that was. Someone told me about the BFI 20%, you know, a year down the line, it was Brucey bonus. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we raised the whole lot of cash, you know, just because, you know, I think uh, a film with that budget, you probably have to anyway. You're not going to get an MG because you've got no stars in yeah. it. You know, gap yeah. finance is probably too small to get anyone excited about. Um, and even, you know, cash flow and the tax credit, again, you know, is, is such a small amount. You know, the interest is probably isn't going to be worth you know a loner's time very much. Mm-hmm. Um, very true. So yeah, you know we it was it was pretty simple deal structure. You know whatever we got back, I think um, you know as the production company, seventy percent went to investors, thirty percent went to in you know, a producer, and mm-hmm. that was it. You know so that you know obviously for the for the next movies you've done proper waterfalls and stuff, but 
Yeah, for that one, it was quite a simple thing, which is great then, I suppose, because you're speaking to people who haven't invested in film before, which actually sometimes is the best. But therefore, they know exactly what they're getting. So for every £1 it makes, they get 70p. Great, all right. And that's split between how many investors you had, I imagine. With the narrative sort of being a lot at the moment about, oh, there's, you know, uh, distributions sort of challenging at best, how were you able to show investors, you know, where they can make the money? Or how are you able to sort of prove, you know, how yeah. money could be clawed back from anywhere because that seems to be to me a tough thing to prove right now so yeah i mean looking back how we ever did that god only knows you know that, <laughs> that would probably be the hardest sell of my career yeah i hope you know because we've got no mm-hmm. you know once you start attaching talent and you know you've got the agents and you can do some pre-sales in advance you know it's a bit it's still hard but you know there's a clearer path to getting it made whereas this really you've got to find people that are just backing me as a person you sure. know we put in a clause in there, um, you know, that whatever you know, happens, you know, in terms of how much money they get back, they will get shares in the next film. You know, there's a you wow, know, thank okay. you for backing me and the one after that. So, right. you know, really they got they got their hands in three films for the price of one. You know, so they're really, yeah. you know, the film will make its money back just in time is what it's looking kind of prediction wise. Um, and, and then you've got SCIS on top of that. So they will be up. Which is great yeah, and well yeah. done. That's amazing for a little indie like yeah. this, you know, that you made, you know, run and gun yeah. style. And the fact is, and I totally agree with you, people invest in you as a yeah. person. If you've got your shit together, if you're there with your packs and your information and you're talking yeah. about it, they can look at that all day and they probably do all day if they're businessmen. But what they're really investing in yeah. is you and your passion and your drive and where you, they think you're going to go in the future. Cause they're going to love to be on the golf course or whatever yeah. in five years and go, yeah, yeah. I, I found him. If it wasn't for me, it won't be yours. Yeah. And you won't forget him either. You know, like these are people that took a risk at the riskiest part of your career on a, on a project that has pretty little, um, commercial value. Um, you know, but, they're you know, but they're kind of in it for the long haul. And, you know, on Three Day Millionaire, the film we're doing next, and the one that we just got the money in for the other week, um, you know, they've all got shares in it. And, you know, I'm not letting them yes. go until they're well up, you know, on, you know, such a nominal amount of cash, but it was such a valuable amount, you know, amount of cash for where I was in my life. And, you know, it was just doing that film at that age opened up every door, you know, that has been opened to me, um, you know, without doing that. You yeah. Know, I, if I'd stayed at uni, I'm scared about what I would be doing now. Isn't it? Isn't that funny? And isn't it a great endorsement about grabbing life by the balls and just saying, do you know what? This isn't for me. I'm going to go do it this way. And if you believe in something, you can go do it. You can. Yeah, I work with a lot of you know young directors now, and just you know, and they don't—they have no idea what SCIS is. And I'm like, this is your best friend, lad. Like yeah. you know, like you need to you know, and I you know point them in the right direction. Um, you know, I think there there needs to be some proper voice from the other side of the fence you know that you know it's just an alternative film school you know essentially mm-hmm. and it could be you know, it can be online you know and it's i'm not teaching you how to make you know, go work that stuff out yourself just by doing it but you know yeah. how business works you know how you get an agent how you sell stuff what distribution is you know i didn't know what a sales agent was when we started getting approached by them you know i didn't know what a waterfall was or what tax you know no. well, the you... difference between a sales agent and a distributor yeah, yeah absolutely well, you don't know what well, territories yeah it doesn't it, absolutely you have no you don't idea what you're signing you're hoping for the best mm-hmm. you know i was very lucky i got a manager pretty young who guided me through it and you know, he's the one that got wme blah, blah 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 you know you don't need to learn to be a runner you know it's what these film courses are kind of like gearing you up for really or like you know junior positions in whatever department you're far more valuable asset to an employer in that department if you've got three years of actually doing it and you so can, true. you know, yeah. no, it's it's not an industry where you require education. And I get people going to uni for for um, you know, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, and that's the you know, if you're chasing your dream, you I got I got all the yeah, time in the world absolutely. for you. Yes. If you're just there to doss about and watch films, you know, you're just wasting your own time and money. And you know, crack on because there's less competition for us. But like, <laughs> you know, the amount true. of messages I get from like kids and like actors and stuff that are like, oh, can you meet me for some advice? And I always do because I've been there, and I you know, mm-hmm. I hope that I, I meet a gem. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. The same thing, you know, it's to help mm. to put back out there what we didn't really have. Yeah, um, it's like, well, we'll do what we can and we'll yeah. chat to other filmmakers who've done this. So why not? Why not put this out? Yeah. But it is a fear. But it is I, I, you. You obviously overcame that fear. But so many people are, are frightened of failure or success, and both sometimes at the same yeah. time. Is if you go, well, I, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to be the next Spielberg. Oh, 
and then you put yourself out there and you fail yeah. or it doesn't work or you can't do it well now your dream's gone so i understand why people are scared but at the same time if you don't do it you're going to be 80 and still talking about exactly. oh, i could have been exactly. so sod it and that's always Try. been scary for me i've always had this vision and i, I can't remember if yeah. this is another thing that scott said in that meeting i feel like it might have been think he might have said like don't be 80 year old jack or nine hopefully mm -hmm. 400 year old jack looking at 10 year old jack on your deathbed um you know looking him in the eyes and say oh sorry mate i didn't do that you know should have done it absolutely you know? right. and i think you know for me it's never been a fear it's always just been exciting you know doing the mm -hmm. doing films is exciting you know the people you meet it's the best industry in the world and i knew yeah. that even just from doing little shorts and not really being in the industry um i just love doing it and uh, for me it was like you know you're either going to win and you're going to get your movie made um, whatever comes after that um, and admittedly I thought it'd be a bit easier to get the second one made a bit naive you know I thought doing it mm. young there'd be agents knocking at the door and blah, blah, and it wasn't okay um, that's quite interesting so what, actually going back to that because I think uh, but Giles and I we've been there as well where you because where you, you have to go into this your your first film with a if you build it they'll come type attitude mm. and not in every case, but in a lot of cases, you know, it's not quite that simple because there's a lot more to do. It's, you know, I, I would say you, you forever climb the mountain and when you think you're at the peak, you, you know, suddenly there, there's a, you're only a, yeah. a third of the way up. Yeah. Um, having got to the, uh, you know, the peak of the, of the first film, how did that sort of change into the second and what challenges were you looking at? Which you thought you wouldn't have. Yeah. I got a manager pretty quickly after doing Dewsbury. So one of the, one of the guys in the movie, David Keogh, plays Adam, the shouty bald man. Yeah, um, he um, he was rep by a guy called Larry Robinson out in LA. I think David had shared a rough cut of Dewsbury with Larry, and I was outside. A lot of my careers revolved around Weatherspoons. I was outside of Weatherspoons, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and for three hours while Larry, you know, from LA, explained what what manager does and why I need one. Um, and then I was going. <laughs> of course, to, he did. <laughs> I was in I was in this kind of like really rubbish indie band, and we do this kind of like self-made tour across the US basically so I was going to end up in LA a few months later so I went out and met him and um, yeah we clicked and he's been great ever since um, so I had the manager and then I thought I, you know, I, I kind of knew that you, you know, if manager's the first step and then once you get an agent hopefully stuff gets really easy and again wrong but that seemed like the next kind of step um, hmm. finished shooting in 2017 film came out in uh, March, 1st of March 2019 um, but so about June 2018 I got contacted by the group of investors that have just put in the money for Three Day Millionaire set in Grimsby my investor network from Dewsbury was people that could afford 5-10 grand now I needed people that could put hundreds of thousands in uh, yeah. and anything less than 50 grand mm. was fairly useless um, so it was basically starting again you know with investor networks and you know learning how to package a film you know it was not to do um, so I just kind of, as as with everything, just kind of winged it. So we attached some, you know, I'm still not allowed to say who we got attached, but we attached some, you know, good talent. We've got a uh, Oscar winner, BAFTA winner, a couple of guys out. Like this is England. Um, you know, really nice um, thing. We're Brilliant. chatting to a very like uh, life changing uh, kind of exec, and if they sign, you know, we've got verbal on it. But if they do, then that's really a game changer. Um, right. But we're trying to get the last bits of cash in for that. Uh, and I thought that would be easier, to be honest. Um, but you know, we we put together a package that artistically is superb, commercially not as strong as it could be. Um, you know, so we're kind of um, tweaking the package at the minute. Still, the biggest battle is raising cash. You know, we've we've also just got you know, again, it's been a good week. Uh, this week, got the last bit of cash in we need. Um, you know, I've I've kind of made the step into TV. Mm. Is this your football? Is this life in non-league? This is the yeah. football, and this is not. This is life in non-league. Yeah. Did I send this over? No, no, no. I just do my homework. It's class. It's really good. Yeah. I got TV industry kind of got into a bit and was facing the same kind of things that I had as an eighteen-year-old kid trying to raise cash. Um, you know, for the movie, it was basically like you know, we really like you, we like the sound of the project, but being a first-time TV writer, we're gonna you know find it hard to get it away. That's almost been a step back in terms of raising cash because it's that uh, you know I can go back to my first investors and you know it's kind of friends and family amount, mm. and you know you can you can find it by you know we've got the majority of the budget in by sending Facebook messages to friends on Facebook. Amazing. So so just to jump onto that, I mean you mentioned WME then and we have mentioned it before and that came through your manager. Yes. Because it is a huge thing getting WME and I think you were the youngest director mm. ever, is that right? To 
sign up with WME something like or something that. like that. How um, did it? How did you yeah. get signed with WME then? How did you do? Did you go over there to meet them? Was it a full session with them? So um, we we'd actively gone out to virtually. My manager had sent emails to virtually every agent in the UK and the US. Um, you know, and cold calling agents doesn't really work, even if it's from your manager, because sure. they get it all the time. One of Larry's and my manager, other clients got signed by WME, and that then they started talking about me. I see. Uh, and Melissa, the agent, watched Destination Jewsbury, liked it. She watched the behind the scenes, kind of like the how we made it story, mm. liked it. Um, she was in London, so came. I met, went to met her in a hotel. Got on very, very well. You know, shared the same ambition. The problem I'd had with, you know, and I'd been to a few agent meetings before. No one really shared my let's just go do it attitude. You know, and even mm. you know, with the life in on league pilot, you know, I was chatting to Melissa and you know, kind of. Yeah, I said, you know, I've been to these meetings that you set me up for and you know, they were good and I, I did well, but you know, it's the same thing, you know, and I don't want to play this. I don't want to be here in 18 months not having made at least an episode. Yes, exactly. Like, it just doesn't work with my mindset. Mm-hmm. I just can't, it doesn't work, don't compute for me. And you know, 10 minutes into the meeting, we were like, right, let's do this. And then you know, she said, right, who do you want to meet? Sent, you know, told her a load of names that she wrote down. Then we're off. And then I think that was late November. And obviously, agents take forever off at Christmas. Um, so I think all the paperwork was done January, did the press release, um, and that was it. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, that's amazing. And then obviously Destination Jewsbury came out, was out, and you know you, you had that to talk about and do all the press, and that's yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, it's so really Jewsbury came out last March, and the the agency yeah. only WME only became official this January. Um, so Jewsbury yeah. came out, you know, long before. Was it out in America then yeah, as well? So was it worldwide? Company was actually American. Like it did, it scored better in America than it did here. I don't know why. I think my my so I had an ex in America, and we can never ever get sarcasm right together. <laughs> uh, my my version of sarcasm <laughs> was very different to hers, and vice versa. We just didn't understand sure. when each yeah. other were being sarcastic. And um, the, yeah. I think the lack of sarcasm in a lot of the film is maybe a reason why it worked. I think because there's there's lots of different types of comedy in it. Like there's slapstick bits. There's you know stupid mm. words that we made up bits that you know there's everything and you know quite yeah. hyper real characters that probably land with an american audience mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it, yeah it just you know, did, that... did well over there rather than here oh, well a bit yeah. bit better over there do you want to give us do you want to give us a sort of little pitch and we'll play the trailer and then uh we can t- talk into about making that yeah it's been a while since i've done this i used to have my elevator pitch bang on of course uh, but now but you're like, a, here we are let me luck. recount it here we go. it's a rude cooed schoolboy middle-aged comedy all about four middle-aged men that um, go on a road trip across the uk to find uh, their dying friend for one last time life finds a way said gandhi or jeff goldblum one of them and one of them was right life does find a way to turn your comfortable middle-class lifestyle into a totally nice are you mad fam i had a job are you leaving no. I had a loving wife. Why would you think that? Oh, just really You're cool. leaving me. I had a house with a great neighbourhood watch and reliable bin collections. But then it all went to... Oh, rather quickly. How's Frank? Diane has not got long left. He wants to see you again. Me? All of them. So we began. That's not good. Four old pals out to see their dying friend one last time. But Frankie. Frankie. <laughs> However, the other three... Toilet wouldn't flush. Well... One's a complete idiot. What, 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 what do I need to do? Just on the same useless as you are at school. One of them has more problems than the Middle East. And one of them is two women who beat it to the hair between your hole and your hookback. So, how do you swing them? But nothing could stop us. Where did you get him? Not even Neville, who just sort of turned up out of nowhere after everyone had forgotten about him. Much like herpes. Oh, thank God for... All right, Adam. Madness, isn't it? But Frankie needed us. And we would do anything for him. Even that. You literally went through Peter. <laughs> because that's friendship. And real friendship doesn't age, it doesn't die. We don't get to talk because it's your fault someone may or may not be lying dead in there because you're a bad friend and a face. Friendship survives. Love Still it. Got it. Still got Still. it. Still got there it. Still got it. There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you so, salesman forever salesman forever always <laughs> hot tubs they'll always be there in your back pocket um yeah. so, uh so let's talk about the actual making of it then you shot over yeah. 26 days you said ish and it's a road movie yeah so we did 19 days and then a year later came up back and did four pickup days okay 
because yeah. we, we we basically a week before we shot we were supposed to do a four week shoot and then we realised that we were going to run out of money halfway through week four ah. so we were like ah, let's try and scram this into a three week shoot okay. and um, you know, inevitably didn't get everything we needed to be done so I had to go away raise some cash which took a year and that was the hardest bit of fundraising um, so we'd got half of it in the can Right. I thought as well, you know, because we raised half the budget to shoot. Um, I thought that um, once you've got some footage in the can, it'd be you know, easy to show investors. But sure. I found, yeah. you know, I'd say less than thirty percent of my investors read the script before saying yes. I agree with that. Yeah, uh, just don't. You know, I, I remember the, the lad that put in about half the budget, showing him some rushes in a pub in London after yeah. we shot it, and he literally was watching the football. Didn't, didn't put, even put his <laughs> eyes on that stuff. Was mad. Honestly, like, you wouldn't believe it. You know, they just want they just want the stats of what you think it's going to make. Yeah, they could, absolutely. And even then, like, you know, with, with the you know the next movies where we've got sales MGs and stuff, you know, obviously the sales company give you low, mids, and highs mm-hmm. in the sales estimates. We didn't have any of that. You know, we were just like, here's a load of comparable movies that have done well. Yeah. Um, you know, we're hoping we do well. We're hoping. You can't look how well the full Monty did. <laughs> we, <laughs> we could do but, that. <laughs> yeah, it is very vague. Yeah, and, you know, it's very vague. You've, you've got to be honest and say, look, you know, I'm, you know, you're protected by SEIS and the fact that you got shares in the next few films. You know, so the uh, the unlikelihood of me having three flops in a row, hopefully, is pretty low. Yes. Uh, and you know, as you go up the budget chain, the the higher your chances of making cash are back. Of course. Because you've got bankable talent. In it. And, yeah, and more uh, amazing talent around you as well to make it even yeah. better. They yeah, can exactly. do the vision yeah, yeah. you want. And, you know, your SEIS, the most you're going to lose is half, and you know, the potential of like movie three or whatever is hopefully you know four or five million budget. You know, blah 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 blah. So you know, you protect them as much as you can, because um, you know you don't want them losing cash. No, nope. uh, especially at that point, you know, that they've they've taken the risk on you. No. Does it affect the fact that uh, you some of your investors are already in the second and third movie? If you like, doesn't make sense. Certainly, the second one with the new investors coming in, is that an issue at all for them? That no. So okay, the, their cut, their shares just come out of my shares. Ah, I see. Sense. Yeah. The, the, the I do on you know three D millionaire is structured you know the the percentage pot that comes back to the producers you know my share of that some of that just goes back to my investors mm-hmm. and you know I think we've given them like a third of the cash value of what they put into Dewsbury you know to make sure that they're up now yeah um practically in theory um so you know it's a nominal sum right um but it just means you know because they've only put five ten grand it just means that they're you know they're up regardless. It's yeah, it was pretty clean to do to me. Great. Well, let's talk about making it then. So, was there any yeah. uh, issues? I imagine there was, but oh yes. Uh, how, how did you find coping? Oh, once, like three weeks. Once we dodged the angry neighbours, yeah, thought we were up, up uh, to no good. I think, but I mean, it 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 wasn't. It wasn't. You know, it was. It was once you, getting the money in was undoubtedly the hardest bit, and then it was just a slog. Yeah, you know, I think when you do a feature film, it's just. A bit of a mental slog, and I hope I'm never as stressed out as that one. Two days after we finished shooting, I was back home. I kept like, when you're doing a movie, you're not really sleeping. You're full of adrenaline. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, brain's wired. Feel, it's hard. To yeah, sleep. your brain's exactly. Your brain's wired. And um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, like mentally shouting, like, "How long? How long?" <laughs> Stuff I was shouting yeah. on set to my AD, like, "How long, then? How long?" Mm-hmm. And then. Being in this weird like dream slash reality state where I was still on set, like waiting mm-hmm. for lights to be set. Yep. Yeah. And um, yeah. Weird. That. Really weird. But um, uh, it's such a hard, it's such a hard thing to explain. And I think only if you've directed something. And I think the trick is well, you have to direct something for you know a, a fair few a week maybe mm. at least. But, yeah. Um, it's that pattern of making thousands upon thousands of decisions a day. Yeah. And when you, yeah, when you wrap for the day and go home and you lie in bed and your brain is still firing at that same <laughs> yeah. pace and it's the yeah. weirdest thing, it permeates your dreams. If I'm shooting, yeah. shooting a commercial now, I still get it every, you know, it never goes away, it never dies out. If I'm yeah. on an intense shoot, you always get it and it's so bizarre. It's so yeah. strange. Yeah. So one of my worst ones was, uh, was two weeks after we'd finished the day and it was so intense, it was crazy. And I literally sat up in bed and I, it sort of, I pointed over to where whatever it was, there was a chair in the corner and went, we've got to move that quick because the whole tripod's got to come in here. Get out of bed now. We've got to move the bed to my missus. Because I was just, I totally believed that suddenly the crew were all coming in and we're about to shoot in my room. Yeah. But your right. brain cannot, it's really difficult to, yeah, it's and like it afterwards is nice. down after. Yeah, yeah. the calm down. Oh, People horrible. don't talk about that. It's really horrible. Oh, yeah. it's, 
It's nasty. I remember you need to throw yeah, I went back. I was skint at anything, so I went back mm. and lived with my mum straight from the set. I didn't even go to the rap high because I was so tired. I just wow. wanted to be in a bath in London, yeah. and um, just naked, just exhausted. And um, come home and like that day, just being like told when you're eating dinner, and you've gone. <laughs> I was explaining this yesterday. You've um, you've gone from like the you know obviously just by nature of the job, the centre of attention, and you, you're just being asked hundreds and hundreds of questions a day, and you know making all them decisions. And basically being the epicenter and the spine of everything, uh, to then being told like I'll be back for six o'clock for your dinner. It's like, what's happened here? <laughs> what am I supposed <laughs> you know, to do? Like, you come crashing back. To totally, because you... before it was one o'clock. That's when lunch is. Everyone knows yeah. lunch is going to be prepared and given to you sometimes, yeah. and then you know when you're finishing for the day. You're back at so home. Your purpose like, is gone. You, yeah. You, what do I do? You, you're like, um, mm. and your purpose is gone until someone. I think Scott again explained to me. It was like production is like you. You're a rocket taking off from Earth, and then during post, it's just you and the rocket in space, you and your editor, and then you you land on Moon or come back to Earth or whatever for your premiere. And it's yeah. exactly true. You know, you're like, you kind of, yeah. And you know, I, I I didn't really have any while we were doing the post for like a year, eighteen months. Mm-hmm. It really, I didn't really, you know, until quite late on in that period where Freedom Day Millionaire landed um, on my desk. Um, we didn't really have any plans for the next film. I kind of had in my head that we had to make money and be a phenomenal success for me to be able to do another one then mm-hmm. i kind of realized when we started raising cash for free day that that wasn't the case you know people mm-hmm. were just you know people were just you know, excited by the fact i'd done one and yes, you know i wasn't the first time director and i'd done it young and had all that press yeah and then you know further down the line when wme came that kind of added just a whole nother you know, layer of legit you know everything since wme have come on everything's happened a lot quicker you know like you meetings you get meetings you, you finances you know, you're not. It's like you've given you're given a stamp of legitimacy. Yeah. Mm, weird, and it doesn't. You know, I'm no different to how I was before WME. It's a weird societal, you know, like film industry thing, I guess. Um, yep. You know, and and your life doesn't become any easier. You know, it's still you finding the cash. You know, yeah, your agent sets you up some meetings, and you know, being able to say with WME helps a lot. Um, but you know, you're still doing all the work. Mm. Yeah, you know, and you know, little things. Uh, uh, are made easier you know you'll probably you know if you want to meet around a producer you get WME send them an email you'll probably get the meeting wherever if it comes from me you won't yes you know attaching yeah. talent becomes a bit easier because you've got them in and again it's a WME offer but yeah you know it, it's still kind of the same hustle you yep. know it's me going out sending Facebook messages for like five grand investment for life in the league <laughs> Isn't you know, it like, funny how when we first started, we, and a lot, and it's really interesting you say that, a lot of people think my first film has to be a big smash. It yeah. has to be like that so I can make my next film. And maybe it's because we got told that a lot. Uh, certainly yeah. I did. Maybe you, CJ, as well. Five, ten years ago, your first film, or 20 years ago, it has to be a big hit. But yeah. now it doesn't. It doesn't huh. at all. It's just total <laughs> shit. So many big directors now have, their first film was not a success at all. And now, you know, they're making Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. And I think... Edgar Wright. He Edgar made, Wright. He was really young fingers. when he did it, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Even as a filmmaker, you know, I nick a lot of his visual stuff. Totally, yeah. Your, your style is, um, it's, it's similar to that. And I think... But yeah, you know, I, I, think, I really want to meet him. I feel like we're on a similar path. Riveting story. <laughs> you should strike up some sort of partnership with Weatherspoons. Absolutely, uh, love it. Definitely fueled your career to some degree. Uh, I, I did all of my casting for Jewsbury and Weatherspoons as well. So I, um, the way that I cast is a bit different. I don't like doing auditions. I don't see. You know, it's just like it's like a job interview. If you're smart, you know what they want to hear, so you do it. Um, and then you turn up to job your job on day one, and it's nothing like your job interview. Auditions are the same. You know, I think directors put their heart on a reading uh, and then a disappointed you know when you come to re- rehearsals two months later and it sounds different i like to i've done some like primary script analysis by the point we're casting so i know my character's spines you know the, the reason they get up in the morning and i've always thought about casting actors who in real life have the closest spines to the characters because then you know that our spine basically determines our big life decisions um so the actor's decision the, sorry the character's decisions make a lot more sense to the actor if they've got a very similar spine to the character so i basically i've worked out my character spines in my script and then um you know go and meet me actors and you know, I've, I've done my tapes and i've got my short list and i've watched everything they've ever done and go and you know, secretly see them in plays and stuff but then i meet them and we just have a very kind of conversational chat about their kind of childhood and upbringing and uh i work out what their spine is and that's how i come to my casting decisions um, it's so interesting how we cast isn't it and how we 
work out who's right for the role. I often, I cast from tapes now at first. I never wanted to do this, Mm. but now I'll get casting tapes in and Mm. often I'll, I'll I'll go, I want that person. They'll just bring something that's them. That's the essence. So they've really thought about it. And I go, Mm. I reckon it's them. And then when I get in the room with them, I'm like, right, prove me wrong. And if they Mm. don't, you're like, yeah, you've got the part because you Mm. were already in my mind. And that it's interesting how we get our inspiration, isn't it? And how we, we attach, we go, no, no, that's the person I want. Casting's a fun one. Mm. It's great fun. I love it. We're about to do it for Life in the League. You know, put the, put the casting out. Um, I, I, look, we could chat all day, and this has been so mm. much fun. This has been brilliant. Um, no. Destination Jewsbury is available now. People can go watch it. It's on Amazon. Uh, where's the best place yeah. for people to find it? Any good pirate site. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone really integral to the film sent me a um, a picture of them watching on a pirate site. Unbelievable. Uh, I think it was very sure it was my lead investor. <laughs> well, he's allowed. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, don't shoot yourself in a... <laughs> Most people can watch it, not on Pirate Site, but where? Where's uh, the best it's place? It's on Prime. You can get Prime, it on DVD. Yeah. Uh, Prime. Um, yeah, Prime's your best bet. You, YouTube movies have it as well. That's another easy one. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah, on all your usual... On the, it used to be on the... Um, the best thing about it, it was in cinema for six weeks, in Showcase, picked it up. So and the good UK that you got that. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a weird story. Have we got time for another quick story? Yeah, yeah. go on, yeah. How you got into Showcase is <laughs> uh, a great story. Go on. Yeah. So, and this is good advice for anything. So, obviously, we call it Destination Jewelry because we wanted to, we thought we were being smart by, um, you, know, you do like Star Wars versus 150 grand indie budget movie about four white guys going on a road trip by a director no one's heard of um, in London. <laughs> also a good stuff. title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my sales pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah every, everyone's going to go watch Star Wars in London. But if you pick a northern town with a big cinema, um, shoot it all there, get all the local press behind it, you know, micro target all your social media spend to people in that area. Uh, and you, know, you have a population of two or three hundred thousand in that area that know what you're doing, um, yeah. and you know, painting the town in not a bad light. Um, yep, they're going to like it. And that was the battle plan. So we wanted to pick a northern town. We wanted to be destination something, beginning with D. We mm-hmm. went to like Doncaster, Derby, Dudley, uh, Dewsbury, and Kirkley's council, who uh, you know, who run Dewsbury basically. Uh, they were by far the most welcoming, and they were fantastic to work with. You know, throughout the whole thing. Um, so we said, right, we're going to do it in Dewsbury. Uh, and there's a big old showcase cinema there. Yeah. That was part of the criteria when we were scouting our northern towns beginning with D. Clever. You're already uh, thinking about your your selling uh, the movie after. Oh, yeah. This is what I was bang on about, yeah. and it's so good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's just important. How's it going to make money? So I had my film done and rang up showcase. Literally, the reception I was like, "Hiya, can I speak to? I want to do like a premiere. All I wanted to do really there was a premiere. That's all I thought we could do." Mm. Uh, and we, we wanted to do one on the Saturday in Dewsbury and then Sunday at the Prince Charles in Leicester Square on the Sunday the Saturday so I'm doing like a double header and um, that's what we ended up doing but then the manager at the showcase sent it you know before, way before the premiere to his boss at showcase HQ and he mm-hmm. absolutely loved it he was a big champion of me still is and you know they've signed up to do theatrical distribution 100 oh, screens plus amazing. on three days million already um and you know they've got LinkedIn, they've got deals with Odeon View and one of the other ones. Um, anyway, but um, they were like, yeah, you know, like, we want to be the UK theatrical distributor. We'll run all the trailers in our cinema. Uh, you know, initially they were going to do it for like a week, uh, and then they kept it kept doing all right. So they ended up just rolling it over week by week for six weeks. Incredible, uh, well done. Yeah, and they you know they were awesome. So advice, literally, to ring up the cinema. You know, you mm. don't have to go through this convoluted route. You know, we got a theatrical distribution. A decent, a very good one for a film on that budget. Uh, very good, you know. Deal, you know. We we basically kept fifty percent of ticket money. Yep. You wow. know, you'd not get that as a you know as a filmmaker you know, if you go through distributors and a film where your you know that budget with no stars ain't going to get distribution. Jack, you're and, so you know, right. It's true. Yeah, we did it on a serial killer's guide to life. We just rang around the cinemas and yeah, yeah. A 50-50 box office split. Hustle. Mark Duplass did a talk at South by Southwest twenty yes. twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Uh, what about cavalry will not come calling. Mm. and it's right you know you and by the time the cavalry do come calling you are the cavalry you know and basically what that means in english is people people won't come and give you money and give you agents and stuff you've got to you got to hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. you are the power that can raise that money and yeah. it's it's the whole teacher man out of fish stuff yeah. if you can go raise cash and you've yeah. got that network you're so much more powerful you're invaluable you know? that way yeah if you can do yeah. it yourself well they go i more. raise the cash still for my own projects mm-hmm. it's like many directors can do that yeah and they want you then yeah so yeah keep hustling love that that's great advice and um, where can people follow you on the socials and online then 
at Jack Spring Film on uh, yeah on uh, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, if you really want to say hello, you can uh, <laughs> me on Facebook as well. <laughs> <laughs> getting a bit personal. Yeah. <laughs> Just Jack. And Jack, your your home address. <laughs> all PO our guests box. do it, Jack. They all do it, honestly. They set up a PO box so you can <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, this has been brilliant. Um CJ, where can people follow you? Uh at C James Direct. That's where I am. You can get me there. There you go. Uh, you can follow me at Giles Alton or at Filmmakers Pod, where we have a back catalogue of over 160 podcasts now, all about how you can go make your film. I am going to go to Weatherspoons. I'm going to grab myself a pint. Uh, and pretty much Jack has got shares in that. And then I'm going to go head to a park bench in Kensington in the park. Oh, I was just going to say that. And I'm going to meet some investors. <laughs> and then you're going to ring up a load of cinemas and yep. then you'll have your movie together. There you go. Yeah. You've got all the elements. <laughs> so much fun. This has been amazing. What great stories and congratulations. Everyone go see Destination Dewsbury. Go support indie films. Go support Jack. And I can't wait to have you on to talk about uh, your next movie, which is um, The uh, Three Day Millionaire. Amazing. Congratulations. So exciting. So exciting for you. And um, we'll see you lot next Tuesday, as always, because that's what we do. And remember, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down just as Jack is doing. Take care, boys. Ciao. Pleasure, Dad. So thank you very much for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Let's all congregate in a Weatherspoon once this is all passed over. Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Ah, oh, Jack, that was brilliant. Yeah, pleasure. That was really good, buddy. Brilliant.